So this week's guest, some people may think he is Aaron's partner in crime and he does look a hell of a queen in drag. That's right, I am joined by Luke, Poison Puff Cosplay. Oof. It's been so long. I know. It's been since November 2019. Although some people would argue that last year didn't really happen. And I'm going to yeah. stand by and say that. <laughs> oh, my God. That, that, was a, that was an insane weekend, I must say. That, it was, that was lovely. It was one to remember. That's, uh, <laughs> I remember your, um, your very glittery suit, I think it was. Um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, hey, uh, it's very, um, it's very typical to outstage both of my cosplays with something that I was just wearing to the pub. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, you've got to go to the pub in style. That's that's what I always say. Yeah, I just remember being constantly distracted by the light shining off my own trousers onto the floor all night <laughs> like a cat. Oh, that that's that's insane. Um. So yeah, um, welcome aboard. Um, Thank you for having me. That's all right. It's all right. I mean, it's about time. I think um, having you on board. Um, so obviously, you are a cosplayer. Um, I am indeed in, in the cosplay community. Um, I love your stuff, by the way, my guy. Like even even before we met each other, like I remember following you. It was like yeah, this this guy's got some awesome stuff. Thank you so much. Um, I think it's been a real glow up for me, um, especially since I started being on Instagram and started yeah. taking that side of it a lot more seriously. Before I was on Insta, I kind of thought of myself as someone who would only ever cosplay at conventions because I just didn't have that network of photographers yeah. who I knew. Um, and I didn't really think about taking photos of myself. So I was very much used to a system where I would be at a con and I would have messaged photographers beforehand and then I'd have to run around and find them and that was the only way I thought of getting photos of my cosplay so ever since I joined Insta in 2018 it has been an enormous boost to my skills and also to me thinking about it more often and wanting to do it more okay. often yeah yeah, that's yeah, that's that's pretty fair enough because um, obviously I've spoken about this quite a few times, like throughout like the episodes, um, about how Instagram has sort of influenced like the cosplay community. Um, is that something that you would agree with? I would definitely but... agree. I think that definitely last year certainly made that even more prominent with people being unable to go to conventions or yeah. in a lot of cases even really see each other. I think that a lot of people's content, I know that mine certainly, uh, last year I spent a great chunk of the year working on my editing skills, working on my photography skills and yeah. developing what I felt would look good on Instagram in still photographs. And that has, it's been very helpful to me in that it has let me practice my makeup and my styling yeah. And my wig making in an environment that isn't con crunch time. But I yeah. also am really looking forward to getting back out there and to cosplaying in person. Because I think that, and you've had this discussion with people on your show before. I think that Instagram yeah. can be a great boost to people. Um, but it is a tool. Most and definitely. like all tools, um, it can be negative as well. And I think that being able to do things in person and show off in person without having the advantage of all of the the kind of trickery that comes with Instagram will be mm. nice again and that's where you'll see people really start to blossom and really shine uh, <laughs> sorry about that um, yeah 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 I, I, that's definitely something that um, 
as as I said previously, you know, a lot of people who've come on here have very much expressed like how Instagram has helped their boost their sort of sort of outcome of uh, being a cosplayer and stuff, which I think is really interesting in a way because obviously I don't know how long you've been cosplaying for, but when I very first started about about five or so years ago, I think four to five years ago. Um, Instagram was still a thing like with cosplay but it wasn't as prominent as it is now like it was more you know if you posted a picture you posted a picture it wasn't like one of those oh let's share it around and tag people and hashtag it and stuff like that you know yeah I definitely think that um, the way that the algorithm has changed over time has affected that enormously it's interesting actually because um, I started cosplaying in 2013 um, okay and that was me doing one or two conventions a year because I mainly work weekends in my industry, so I don't get yeah. an awful lot of them off and I would have to specifically book them. Um, so I would yeah. do basically both London MCMs and that would be kind of my entire cosplay um, content. And I was just thinking about, okay, this is an exciting event I get to go to. It's fun to dress up. It's fun to um, get in character and, and meet people and if the photos come back to me, then they come back to me uh, yeah. kind of thing. Um, before I set up my Insta, um, about, around about kind of 2016, 2017, I honestly thought that Insta was a platform for people who were much more skilled and more successful for me. It took me quite a while and some convincing by other people yeah. to get I to that relate. point where I, <laughs> yeah, where I thought, okay, well, this is something that I'm at least interested in setting up. Um, and when I started on it and when I, it was really when I met Aaron, actually, when I met Spider Town and saw him um, yeah. really, really succeed with it, that I then started um, taking it a lot more seriously and actually making friends for it. And now I would say that the majority of people I know in the community I have met through Instagram rather than through um, any other kind of platform, really. And now I've gotten into yeah. that habit that people have of exchanging details at cons and stuff like that and keeping in touch. So it's really been it's really been a huge boost to me in that regard. Yeah. Um, obviously, you, you mentioned your friend, Aaron, who we've also had on on the show. Um, he spoke very highly of you. Um, I don't know if you actually listened to it, um, but yeah, he sort of spoke to me about how you go quite way back, like you've known each other for quite some time and you did acting together and you, it was kind of down to you who got him into the the whole cosplay scene, really. Um, so um, how, how do you think like cosplay sort of evolved your friendship? in a sense because obviously when you very first sort of hung, hung out like it wasn't really a cosplay friendship but obviously now you're both kind of in the same sort of you know yes um well it, i did listen to our episode and I, I i was really it, it really warmed my heart to hear him say those really lovely things about me um he does tell me nice things um when there aren't dozens of people listening as well. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so when we when we met, we met in a um, TV and screen acting class that I was attending in Manchester. Um, and we kind of instantly clicked. Like I could see that this was a talented person, but I could also see that this was a, a very giving person and a very, um, yeah. a person who was really bidding into kind of cooperation and who was a good listener. Um, so we got teamed up for a scene and we were talking about what scene to do. And we did a scene from Fight Club, which is a, uh, a film that we're both really big fans of. Um, and I just had such a really good time, like going through the scene with him. I could tell that he was intelligent. I could tell that he was really um, conciliatory. Um, yeah. And we had like an energy that clicked with each other that I actually, I really enjoyed working with him on that. And after I kind of dropped out of the class because I, I was finding it too expensive um, to travel oh, okay. all the way to and from Manchester and pay for the class as well at the time. It was uh, averaging around about 40 quid a week, which doesn't sound like Ooh. much, but I don't earn an awful lot of money. So <laughs> it was just something I, I couldn't sustain. But we stayed in touch and then I started yeah. 
talking to him again when I was having a really down period in my life in about 2018. And because he's a bit of a night owl, um, he was really there uh, yeah. for me. Yeah, because of his, his, his work schedule. He was really there for me in the early hours of the morning. Um, and so when I was going to con, like he, you've heard the other side of the story. And I believe he said that I asked him many, many, many times, which is a bit shady of him, but also not inaccurate. <laughs> um, I was like... Come, come, come to this convention. You have all of these Spider-Man suits. I have seen you put them on. You just put one on in public. Um, and he was like, uh, and I was like, right, get here, get a ticket, and come in. Um, so we had a well, really he did good... one of those. He did one of those things. Um, he kind of missed <laughs> the ticket part out, but yeah, he did the other thing. So yeah, we had a really good day um, uh, with my other friend Fraser as well. And then after that, it just kind of what he was doing spiraled. And then because he was learning all of these new skills, I was like, I've been doing this for years. I should learn all of these skills. And so it became this idea of kind of encouraging each other. And I think that I think it has yeah. changed our friendship a lot. I think it's evolved our friendship a lot. I think that, yeah. you know, we were getting close anyway. I mean, um, oh, yeah. I was, I, I, I saw um, some of Aaron before people on certain paid sites um, saw some of Aaron. Um, <laughs> 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 um, but, right, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, we were getting very close anyway. And it just really became this, creative um friendship and this friendship that was about you know we had this whole new dynamic of of we can go to conventions together he's been very encouraging to me and i've been very i guess i explained what i understood about the community from my experience and then he's explained stuff that he's learned along the way and it's just been it's just been really nice actually it's been really really lovely to be in a position where i can say you know, one of my best friends is very, very successful. Um, yeah. And I mean, don't get me wrong, I have felt a little bit of envy and a little bit of anxiety about that at times. Um, but okay. I'm, yeah. just because, you know, I, it, it's easy to see someone who's really, really, really succeeding, especially in this sphere, and then get slightly concerned that, oh, well, if they move up to like, the professional tier of cosplayer or if they become a, an invited guest at conventions and stuff then oh uh, yeah <laughs> yeah yeah it's not that we would ever stop being friends but that would be in a in a very different league um and i i you know i have felt a little bit of, of jealousy about that at times but we are very very good friends and it's amazing yeah. to see someone succeed so much at something and his success has propelled me to try and earn more success for myself and to try and get myself on mm. some level photography wise and editing wise and also step myself up in the things that I do. Um Absolutely, like, yeah. Uh my sewing and my and my phone making as well. So yeah, it's been yeah. it's been a really lovely evolution, I I would say on the whole. Yeah, most definitely, because I feel like obviously when I very first started following Aaron, um he literally had very little photos like on his account and it, it kind of just seems like that was like years ago now um like just because obviously you look now of the amount of content in it. same with you as well to be fair i think you both produce like great content especially when you're working together with something as well um because i know he takes a lot of your photos and he edits a lot of your stuff which the outcome man is just so so good Thank you so much. Yeah, I think. That yeah, that's... honestly, yeah, I I think you're just as successful as what he is. If in fact, I think you're both just as equal, um, because you're both clearly very talented people, and you can definitely see the friendship like between you guys. Um, Thank you. I'm so glad to hear that. Um, yeah, I think that that comes what you're talking about with the photos that he takes and edits for me. It's that same spirit of collaboration and it's that same willingness to listen yeah. that I saw back in 2015 in that acting class, um, that he'll just really listen to what I would like to do. And then we'll, we'll, it's really cooperative. We really do work together on, on those things. And it's been, it's been lovely seeing him, become in what in my opinion one of the very best editors that i have access yes. to in my sphere on instagram and it's been really Ooh. lovely having that <laughs> having that service <laughs> available to me for free as well <laughs> there are perks 
I mean, now what I want to know is when can we get to see Kevin? Because that, that, that is when oh, can we... together. Yeah, that's like, I, I want to see that. Like, that, that would be great. I don't know what you would do, but I just think if you guys just did like a scene together and posted it on Instagram, I, I guarantee that that is definitely something people would want. Well, I definitely think that that would be a, a really cool thing to revisit. And I have been, you know, sometimes when I, because I write as well, um, sometimes okay. when I write things, I will hear Aaron's voice in a part that I'm writing. Oh. Um, which is really interesting. And I think that there are definitely things that we both like um, that yeah. we could interact with. Obviously, we both really like um, superhero content and we are also both um, he's a much bigger cinephile than I am but we're both fans of film noir and we're both fans of a certain kind of I would say gritty psychological um, sort of film so I think if we were to yeah. act together because we're both such big Tennessee Williams fans as well like when he did his um, Stanley Kowalski um, from um, a streetcar named Desire shoot last year. I was like, I this absolutely suits you. I was absolutely literally going to suggest this to you because you talk about it so often. And then I also had the opportunity last summer to be in a kind of Zoom um, reading of um, another Tennessee oh, Williams play. That's so cool. Uh, yeah, it was really cool. Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. Um, oh, okay. So I think that if we could work out a way of doing one of those scenes together... Um, with two very powerful um, characters or something from Death of a Salesman or I think there's a certain blue-collar anxiety, I would say, that yeah. we're both very good at portraying. Well, for everyone who's listening to this, post it in your story, like, get that hashtag going. So tell tell Luke and Aaron that this is this is what this is what you want. We want acting. I could actually, you know what? I could actually really see you guys doing like something quite comedic as well. Like, um, you, I I could definitely see you guys sort of becoming a double act. Like, then you could potentially be like the next Chuckle Brothers on uh, on the internet. I could see us doing comedy together well as well. Yes, I'm 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 gonna toot my own horn here and say I'm a pretty good comedic actor. I'm not good at writing comedy, but I'm good at <laughs> doing it. Yeah. Yeah, I'll keep that in mind. I'll I will definitely um consider doing some comedic stuff together because that would be fun. Or you know, oh, we yeah. could just give it we could just give the people what they want and both do the full Monty. <laughs> That's another thing as well, is um, for anyone who knows Luke here and Aaron, um, I know a lot of people will stand behind me with this. Um, you two guys can honestly be complete filth. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, on live, we're talking live streams, we're talking in person, like, you name it, these guys have probably done it. I could have worded that a bit better, but <laughs> you, you, you know what I mean. Yeah, I do know what you mean. I'm just a very honest person. I think that certainly... Sometimes too honest. <laughs> a little bit. It has got me in trouble before, but um, I'm, just a very, <laughs> I'm just a very honest person. and I'm just a very open person. And I think that for me, I don't know whether it's the same for him, but for me, I spent a bit too much of my life being afraid of saying what I wanted to say and of, um, you know, kind of holding back from things. And now if people ask me about something, I will explain it. And if people are starting a discourse, I will join in with that discourse, honestly. And I don't, you know, I don't really have any shame about those sorts of things. And I think that it leads to interesting discussions sometimes. So if you're in an you know, if you're yeah. in a space where there are only adults, um, and obviously I understand that conventions are all ages events, so I do, <laughs> um, I do keep the handle on my on my behaviour and on my speech at conventions, especially when there are kids around, and especially when I'm playing a, a child friendly character. But if you're in an adults only space, then you know why yeah. not? <laughs> 
yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's pretty fair. But uh, obviously, when I say that, I don't mean like I, I don't want people to think that these are like really like uncomfortably dirty people. I mean, like, I mean it in a humorous way, um, obviously. Um, and always in a, an appropriate place, most of the time, most of the time. <laughs> um, I mean, when they've had a few drinks, it, it can get a bit like, okay, this is a, this is something. Um, but yeah. Um, another thing um, to bring up with, with yourself and I feel like this will be great for other people as well, is um, you are a person who is in the LGBTQ+. Um, not really something I've managed to speak about in the show, actually, which is a shame because it's something that I've wanted to talk about for a while. Um, I was wondering, like, how, how did this, does this sort of influence, like, in cosplay as well? Like, how do you think that kind of you know um i would say it does have a huge influence on me as a cosplayer yes um yeah. i've known i was i I've, I've known i was gay since i was about 17 and okay. i think that i i've heard a really good quote about it i can't remember who said it but every gay person has every every queer person i should say i'm gonna say yeah um some people don't like that word um I apologise to anyone listening who isn't comfortable with that word. I understand it is a reclaimed slur, but a lot of the language we use is also reclaimed slurs. And I don't. Yeah. I like the term LGBTQ+, but I prefer using the term queer as an umbrella term um, because it rolls yeah. off the tongue a little easier. And I think that it's a nice umbrella term to accompany uh, um, a, a comp in company everybody so I will be using the word queer I'll probably use them interchangeably but yeah um, I, the quote is every queer person has to ask questions of themselves they have to go on the journey of self-discovery that I think a lot of straight cis people don't necessarily go on because you are against the norm and therefore you have to ask yourself well how do I feel about this how do I think? How do I process these things? What's my version of this? Because we are not taught to love other men if we are men. We are not taught to love other women if we are women. We are not taught to um, examine whether our gender matches the one that we are assigned at birth. These are behaviours that we come into as a, a core part of our own being. And therefore, we, we inherently need to examine ourselves when we decide that these things are true about ourselves um yeah so i think that as part of that as i started cosplaying and as i started to get more into cosplay there mm. are certain characters and certain character types and certain ways that characters dress that i leaned towards um and started to express myself in that way i think that cosplay is a really nice safe zone to oh yeah i like to think so yeah yeah it's a really nice safe zone to explore one's own conception of sometimes gender sometimes um other identity aspects and sometimes just simply what would i wear if i could get away with it <laughs> <laughs> So as I went on, I started to lean towards characters who dressed quite scantily, male characters who dressed quite scantily, which are, there are a lot of in anime. I started to lean towards um, queer characters like Renly Baratheon, and I started yeah. to lean towards doing gender-bend cosplays because I grew up in a family of very strong women and had a lot of okay. influence from Disney princesses and from other kind of female characters when I was young like you know Disney princesses were always my favorite thing to watch when I would watch um I'm a child of the 90s so this is going to sound like ancient history to some people but when <laughs> I when I would watch uh the 90s X-Men cartoon on Fox Kids um you know Rogue was my favorite one because she was this incredibly strong woman who was still kind of fragile and still had vulnerability so I had all of these amazing women real and fictional in my life and as i started to get into cosplay 
I started thinking, I, I really like a lot of these female characters, but I hadn't got to a point where I felt comfortable um, wearing women's clothing. So then I started thinking about how do I gender bend these designs? And I was, I was really influenced by a lot of what I saw at conventions. I, you know, I'm sure, as you know, there are so many yeah. incredibly creative people. There are people you see... Oh, yeah. And you look at them and you're like, how did you think of this concept? And they'll, um, they'll realize it amazingly. Like the Disney Warriors cosplayers I've seen or like people who will really, really think about what, say, a medieval version of Tony Stark would look like. Oh, yeah. You really get people who go the real extra mile with creativity um, in cosplay. And, and that, that's kind of something I've always admired is that it's kind of got to that point now where it's like people aren't just cosplaying existing characters. They're generally cosplaying original characters as well. And they're twisting it up and they're revamping it and they're changing it. And it's just so much more freedom and creativity as well. Very much like you said. And um, honestly, it's just so cool to see, you know? Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um I, I think that that may have always been there in the Japanese scene because obviously yeah. a lot of um, a lot of anime will go into kind of like alternate universe stuff like the the medieval My Hero Academia cosplays which come from an end title sequence um, that, that on one of the seasons. I forget which one, but it comes from there. So I think that's always been there, but it's been lovely to see that filter through into the Western cosplay world. So as I yeah. started doing my... As I started doing my gender bends and started th thinking about that, I then started... Um, my fandom of RuPaul's Drag Race has been very influential on my cosplay, I think, because after watching that, I was kind of intrigued by the idea of the transformation of it and started really enjoying... A lot of those queens are also quite nerdy people. There's a lot of queens who have done cosplay stuff one of the biggest is dax exclamation point um who does almost exclusively kind of cosplay related dragon is is really huge and oh, got yeah. a, a shout out from dc um for dc no Pride. Way. that's so uh, cool i know it was so awesome i was like that is so cool oh um, wow but seeing that sort of stuff i then sort of started thinking about other female characters in things um, that I'd really liked and started thinking whether I could do that myself. So I started by choosing a really safe one for myself. Um, yeah. I chose to cosplay the Great Fairy of Magic from The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time because okay. they they look like a drag queen. Like that design is just <laughs> a drag queen. It's because it's, you know, it's a 64-bit console. She's got pointy polygon tits. Like you just can't render a beautiful woman in 64 bits. So she looks like a drag queen. So um, that was a really, uh, a really good place for me to start. Cause I was like, well, if I look like a man in a wig, then so does she. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, like it's like drag as well has like even that has evolved so much compared to say like 30 or so years ago um obviously you look now like people are bringing it into cosplay like there's several tv shows about it um you i like at times where i've been at london like there's been very openly people just walking around in drag and i'm not gonna lie i don't know that much when it comes to drag stuff but i i, I really I, I i look at those sort of things and i'm like good good for you you know um you know good for you for actually being brave enough and being bold and doing something different and exciting you know and um like honestly i applaud those people with their how creative their outfits are and stuff and i think i'm, I'm just so pleased that a high majority of people are accepting that sort of thing now compared to what it was like, you know, like even 10 or so years ago, it was still something that people sort of frowned upon, you know? Yeah. I think having a huge international platform has, has helped that a great deal. Um, and I think that it, it, conventions are interesting to me because in a lot of ways people I've heard, I've heard horror stories, obviously as everyone has, and I'm sure they do happen, but luckily they've never happened to me. 
Um, and okay. what I find from a lot of people, you know, the sort of stuff you hear people um, yeah. side, side eyeing each other's cosplays or ripping each other down or whatnot, or those sorts of things that apparently do happen in person. Um, and mm. I will believe that they happen in person, but I've luckily never experienced them. I think that for me, what my experience um, of conventions has been that it's a really interesting zone because people will expect you to be, um, you know, extra and will expect you to be um, living out of fantasy and will expect yeah. you to be in a zone that you wouldn't normally occupy. So it is really kind of a free license for me to do stuff that, you know, there's, oh, yeah. there's, there's no, because a convention is, a, is a, essentially a gated off area. It feels really, really safe in there. And I never feel like I'm under any threat um, in there when mm. I'm in drag. So yeah, that's something that I wouldn't necessarily have the balls, <laughs> pun intended, <laughs> I suppose, um, yeah. to do in the street or to do even at a even at a pride event because then I have to kind of go and walk through normal streets whereas at a convention you know my hotel is right there and there's no one within kind of a three mile radius who isn't attending the convention I then feel safe to be able to do that so to be able to go into that and start looking at well what cosplay what cosplays what characters do I do as a gender bend what cosplays do I do as drag and where can I push myself going forward is really interesting because I think that what I have been doing is I've been playing it safe by going for characters who already are either queer or yeah. look draggy or have some sort of, you know, LGBTQ fandom or reading on them. But why I really want to push myself in future is to just say, here is a woman I love. I'm going to cosplay them. Yeah. Um, and not have to build up like a thesis in my head of why I'm doing it. Yeah. Is there like any advice really that you could give to people who, like yourself, like people who would love to try out drag or gender bend cosplays, but don't feel like they've got that inner confidence like, what advice would you give to someone who can sort of go away about it? I would give the same advice that I would give to anyone who wants to cosplay anything, really, which is that you find it in yourself first. Um, you know, we have... I think that we have a culture now in a lot of ways that encourages people to upload everything they ever do, and you don't need to do that. I feel like my inner confidence in drag has come from me spending nights in front of a mirror just doing makeup and then just you know sending it to one or two people who know what they're talking about and seeing where i can learn and grow it's come from yeah. watching tutorials it's come from watching the media that i'm cosplaying from and watching drag race to remind myself that this is kind of badass and i've sort of got it and if they can yeah. do it, I can do it. And the, remind yourself of the reason why you had this idea in the first place is a really important thing to me. I would say if people are going to try this sort of thing, it really helps to have um, a supportive group of friends around you that you're going to be going to a con with if you are planning on doing it as a con. I would yeah. say that it's good to keep in mind that... Um, you don't necessarily have all of the facilities available to you that you would normally have available. Um, when mm. I cosplayed Great Fairy and when I cosplayed Bowsette, um, I obviously, I guess, so, a lot of cosplayers are used to not having pockets, but I was really unused to how little storage space I would have on myself. Um, mm -hmm. So I had to get used to the idea of kind of keeping my phone and my wallet in my bra, because luckily I have space there. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah I, I think I would just say think about what you want to do um, mm. but don't overthink it um, just say I find this really cool like any other cosplay look at the details of it look at how you want to interpret it if you want to interpret it and remind mm. yourself that you're valid like whatever you do is valid and whatever you are trying is absolutely badass just go for it Find other people like yourself if you can and have a great time and 
bring a comfortable pair of shoes to change into because oh yeah um <laughs> i like heels <laughs> but i'm never wearing a stiletto again in my life <laughs> <laughs> okay um i suppose that's another thing um i have to this is something I've just got to ask because um, I am generally quite curious now. Out of all of your outfits, what is probably the one you find the most uncomfortable? Oh boy, and why? Uh, I, that's quite a question. Um, <laughs> I say that Great Fairy is pretty uncomfortable um, simply because it's so much stuff and it's so much hidden stuff as well. Like, because that is a quite curvy kind of character in essentially a leotard, you would think, oh, you're just wearing a leotard and a bra, Luke. No, not by any <laughs> imagination. Like, it's two pairs of tights, two pairs of, like, foundation shapewear underwear. Oh, God. Kind of a corset, uh, and then over that corset, another kind of shapewear, kind of upperwear thing, then the bra, and then I've got two wigs on my head because I've got a full wig and then the ponytail wig and yeah. like knee length um, high heel boots on. So actually when it all comes together and it takes me a long time to put on and being corseted, it's not the most uncomfortable thing in the world. And obviously there are women who do it way more often than I do, but it is quite restrictive and... I say this, obviously there are going to be people like there, out there who are going to be like, I pole dance in a corset, I can do cartwheels. <laughs> um, like, good for you <laughs> to get used to. Um, so I would say that's, that's a pretty uncomfortable one to wear. I'd say the other uncomfortable one um, to wear, it was probably... I'd say Caleb Widogast is pretty uncomfortable because I made the mistake of cosplaying in him in May. And oh, you didn't. Oh, I did. I can't really go to October <laughs> anymore because of my job, so everything I do has to be kind of summer-oriented. So it's just a leather <laughs> waistcoat and a full-length uh, kind of duster jacket slash grey coat, which I have sewed both uh, both oh. sheepskin. To the inside of. So Hell even... yeah. Check you out. <laughs> so I got um, to the Christmas Bowl um, uh, group and I was like, guys, this is lovely, but I feel like <laughs> I'm in a spawner. I mean, I can't really say much because at the last MCMA we had, which would have been, what, would have been two years ago, I guess now. Um, God, that's a bit weird saying that. Um, I I decided to wear a crushed velvet suit because I was doing Austin Powers and it was like 29 degrees that day. And oh I God. had, yeah, so I had a full on like velvet suit. I had a wig on and a long sleeve shirt, a cravat, like big sort of black pointy shoes. And I was like, great, this is fun. Um yeah, I didn't quite think it through, and it gets worse because um, the day before that, I cosplayed five from Umbrella Academy, and as you know, um, I've seen it. I think I have. Yeah, because obviously it's like the blazer, the shirt, the tie, the over jumper. I had all of that on, and that was about thirty-one degrees that day, and I oh had a wig gosh. on top of that. And uh, again, I didn't think it very thorough. I mean, I had shorts on, um, so I guess that was kind of a good idea. Uh, but yeah, um, yeah. Although I did kind of break the tradition because it's kind of been a tradition for years that every MCM May I always get some. I didn't get sunburnt that year, so I finally broke the chain. Um, but who knows, maybe when the world clears itself up a, up a bit, maybe we'll go back to being sunburn at MCMA again. Who knows? <laughs> I, I but, have had that experience myself, yes. Um, many, 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 many a sunburn over the years. <laughs> yeah, it's not fun. Um, I remember once I was cosplaying Harry Potter. 
I was so badly sunburned on my forehead, I couldn't even put the scar on. And I remember being like so like pissed off because <laughs> I, I was like, oh, God, like no one's going to know who I'm supposed to be. And it just went awfully wrong. And I was just like, ah. I Ironically, that was your concern. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, I didn't really give a damn about how, like, the fact, like, it was all about. <laughs> it's weird because um, I actually had sun cream that weekend. And I think I, because I had to cosplay the in-betweeners around that time. Um, I had the the sun cream in my briefcase, so I kind of um, forgot to bring it the second, like the following day. And then obviously I got sunburned. And uh, yeah, so um, make sure you place your sun cream um, at a reasonable place um, when you go to conventions in the summer. It would definitely help. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that can be... A bit of a problem. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So, um, Luke, um, the important question is, um, like, what have you been, what have you been watching at the moment? So, what 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 have you been keeping up to date with? Um, I've been watching Loki, uh, which I'm very much enjoying. Um, I have been watching um, the Bad Batch. That's something I'm keeping up to date with as well. Um, Same and. Otherwise, I've just been kind of catching up with stuff I've previously missed. Um, so from about January this year, me and my mum have started really watching stuff together. And we started watching Stargirl because I found out it was on. <gasps> oh, um, yes. Oh, dude, I, I love that show. It's so good. It's such you can tell how higher a budget it has than say kind of oh, most yeah. of the cw shows um because the the costumes look spectacular and oh, yeah. it was really lovely to see like comics comic book costumes but like really really elevated on a tv show mm. and also the quality of the wire work in the in the fight scenes is so good they're such distinctive oh, yeah. fight scenes i really really enjoy watching them yeah uh amelia will be pleased with that um because uh, we, she loves well. Because um, uh, she cosplays Stargirl as well, and yeah, um, a friend, yeah, a friend of mine actually made her the staff as well. So cool. Yeah. So, which is probably one of the biggest things he's ever made because it's literally like seven foot. Um, yeah. Which is kind of <laughs> it's kind of in pieces at the moment, and we're trying to mend it back together because. Uh, it, it turns out it wasn't the most practical thing to get made, but yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, could... so, um, yeah. yeah, not exactly, but you know, it looked, it looked cool, you know, it looks, I mean, I, I don't know if anyone's like gone on the account and seen it, but it's, it's very, very cool. I have seen it, it is a spectacular prop, so yeah, we started watching that and we really, really enjoyed that. I'm a big Stargirl fan as well. I've got yeah. um, Jeff Johns' original Stars and Stripe, um, both trade papers. Oh, papers, yes, that's cool. Which I think are out of print now, but might have gone back into print since because obviously the TV show um, is out yeah. now. Um, and I know obviously Jeff Johns is a very controversial figure and that uh, he has, you know, done what I think are objectively bad things in terms of, you know, the controversy surrounding Ray Fisher and his dismissal yeah. and his treatment and stuff like that. So I think that, you know, my feelings on Jeff Johns as a person are very mixed now. And I don't know whether mm. um, he should potentially have a future as a producer on those films, given the allegations against him and things that have been, you know, proven about him. But he yeah. has written some very, very good stuff. And obviously Stargirl is extremely close to his heart because she's named after his late sister, um yeah. who you know was still alive when he created the character but um uh, though, to see the 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 de- dedication to all, to Courtney Johns at the end of the series was really lovely for that reason mm-hmm. um and it's been really lovely to watch that so from there we've kind of moved on to legends of tomorrow to runaways um to all of these other kind of i guess 
underappreciated um, shows. Yeah. We both really, really enjoyed Runaways. Um, oh, okay. Because... That's that's an actually very controversial opinion. So uh, that's that's really interesting, actually. I can see why people would have in, have have issues with it. I think it does have pacing issues, and I think that it does mm. have the issue of the writers feel like they need to have constant conflict, and the only way they know need to how to do this is by having the characters constantly fall out with each other, which is quite tiring. Yeah. Um, um, how how have you been um, finding Bad Batch, by the way? Because I know you mentioned it. Um, but how, how have you been finding that show? Because um, I'll be honest with you, dude, like, I sort of liked it for a bit, but it seems to kind of keep... I don't know if you've been feeling the same sort of way. It's like you'll go from like a really good episode and then it'll just be like a filler episode straight off. Um, and I feel like we've had like the past couple of weeks have kind of been like that, to be honest. I'm trying to show it some patience because I think it took yeah. um, Clone Wars about two and a half seasons to really find what it was doing. And I think that it took Rebels... Um, about but I would say that Rebels is good from the second season onwards. Uh, I mean, it wasn't yeah. bad in the first season, but it it knows what it's doing from the second season onwards. Um, so I am trying to show some patience towards it. I think that I've been enjoying it, and I really do like the characters, and I really do like the plot threads that they've slotted mm. in, and the cameos that they've included, and stuff like that. It feels connected, and it feels nicely lived in as a universe i just think that it doesn't seem to quite know what it's doing yet yeah yeah i'd agree with that because we've gone from we've gone from an opening arc to then into okay so they're mercenaries who are working for you know whoever will pay them basically um but also they're helping out the early, the early like tiny bits of the rebellion, and also all of this other stuff is going on. So mm. some of the episodes do feel less important than others. Maybe that's just simply because it's a longer season than, say, uh, Mandalorian or the live action Disney shows get. So you will inevitably get some some filler or you know less important um, episodes, but. I do think that maybe it needs to make a decision about is this a show about a group of mercenaries? Is this mm. a show about a group of people on the run? Is this a show about the very, very early sparks of rebellion? Is this a show about the early tyranny of the empire? Because all the stuff we've shown has been interesting, in my opinion. I yeah. just think that it needs to decide what it's going to focus on. Oh, yeah. I mean, like I agree with that completely. It's just I, I I don't know. Like I'm not gonna lie. Like when they announced the show, um, they were like, "Oh, they're doing a bad bat." Very surprised because um, it wasn't really something I was particularly that interested in. And then the first episode, and I thought that was actually really really good. Um, because obviously, like whole premise of like where it's set I think is just what really intrigued me and a few other people but then it sort of just went beyond that it sort of just I slowly started to lose interest but I kind of picked it up again because obviously bits that have made it a lot more fun and uh, exciting for Star Wars fans yeah I definitely think I definitely agree with that I think they all find where it wants to go as it goes on. Um, mm. And one of the things I'm really enjoying about it is, yeah, I think it is a really, really interesting place to set a show in terms of the Star Wars chronology because you've got the yeah. war has literally just ended. Um, it was really cool in the first episode seeing that Order 66 speech from a different perspective from the Emperor. Yeah. Oh. Really seeing that tension in the galaxy and that transition and how that transition is made and it's really cool like in the latest episode seeing for all intents and purposes a republic ship one of those i can't remember what they're called the laats the kind of hover ship things the drop ships yeah yeah i know what you mean yeah 
um, it was really cool um, seeing one of those things, but seeing it come with this ominous music, with this like overhead kind of shadow thing of like changing the context of something that you would have associated with as heroic and now it's working for the Empire and seeing that tension in the normal clones and that transition from the clone troopers to the stormtroopers, it's all very mm. interesting stuff to me. Oh, yeah. Well, um, yeah, fingers crossed, like they, like you say, they kind of work out what they're doing and whether or not it gets renewed for a second season as well. Um, like, I'm not going to lie, like I've been loving pretty much all the Disney sort of plus original stuff. Well, I say all, I mean mainly the nerdy stuff, if you get what I mean. Not so much the high school musical stuff. Yeah, that, that's not really for me. Um, but in terms of like the that they've been doing and all the Star Wars stuff, um, but he's been quite decent. Um, yeah. So hopefully that will have a fulfilling ending. Because I feel like that's kind of an issue that I've had with a lot of these shows. I really know how to end. I think I've heard that you I've heard you talk about this on the podcast before and I do yeah. agree to a certain extent. I haven't seen Falcon and Winter Soldier yet. Um okay. I do need to get around to watching it, but I feel like <coughs> sorry, um with WandaVision, like I loved that show and I don't I didn't find the outcome dissatisfying yeah. exactly, but I did think it felt a bit rushed and obviously a lot of the things the fans wanted didn't happen, which is, you know, you're never going to get everything you want, especially when you're oh, yeah. kind of speculating. And I do like that instead of spinning off into something enormous, it kept quite self-contained because it really was a show about Wanda's kind of trauma. But I did find the fact that the last episode was kind of a big generic shooty-shoot blast-blast um, for the most part, a little bit of a disappointing resolution. Um, I mm. felt that Agatha, for all the fun she was, actually turned out to be a fairly generic villain in the end. Yeah, um, I'd, I'd agree like, with that. I felt like the way they explained the sitcom thing was a bit weak. Mm. Yeah. It's a shame because a lot of the ideas that they had, which they decided to scrap, I think would have actually generally made it better. And I know like they couldn't do it due to COVID, but I think one had that they were going to have Dr. Strange narrating the one of the ads special stuff, which I think would have been really cool. And then they were going to have him like sort of trying to communicate wonder like through the which I think would have been a really interesting thing, but yeah, they, that didn't. Which is a uh, yeah, which is I a shame had... because I. Yeah, I had heard that he was originally meant to be involved in the ending, which maybe partly explains why the ending was a little bit weaker than I would have liked. But on the whole, I was really impressed with One Division. I feel like Loki. Um, I really like a lot of it and I've really enjoyed yeah. the last ep- the last episode was very good and I really enjoyed it. especially Richard E Grant's performance which was so fun as as mm. as co- comics classic Loki he was fantastic but I do feel like it's it feels quite rushed again as I've expressed this quite a few times I feel like the format they're going with the stories that they want to tell, it just doesn't work with their format. Mm, I feel like I feel... they definitely need to expand the end 100%. I feel like they're, part of what they're doing that doesn't help is that everything has to be so interconnected and everything has to, yeah. kind of MCM, MCU movie style has to set up the next block. So then you get this sort of like, Rube Goldberg machine of of mm. shows and movies where it's like we can't let Loki have sixteen episodes because it has to be finished by the time that Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness starts. So you then kind of <laughs> it's like when they had the yeah. 
assembly line of Star Wars films and it felt like nothing was being given enough time to develop properly and nothing was being given enough time to be redrafted or rethought through. It feels like, no, we have to get it out now and it has to be finished by this point because we've got this next thing on the assembly line and saying, okay, well, how long do we need to tell the story? I think another thing I would say is um, when it comes to particularly the Marvel stuff is they seem to rely a lot on the like subplot main arc of the show. Like, and they rely a lot on the mystery of it. Definitely Loki and WandaVision. Because yeah. I feel like if I was to rewatch WandaVision now, I feel like. I probably wouldn't enjoy it as much knowing that I now know everything, if that makes any sense. Which is kind of I do understand where, that. Yeah, it's, it's kind of where shows like that can be kind of real. Because I, I, now I know the Quicksilver stuff and I know Agatha was in it. it watch it and I'm like, I'm not as intrigued because I already know what's going to happen. And it's probably going to be the same with Loki as well because obviously we've got the finale coming up of time of recording. And uh, I just feel it's going to be one of those scenarios where it's like, we're going to find out who it is and then it's not going to be as big of a shock like when you watch it the second time. So that's where I feel like they need to sort of try and ideally just sort of make it not so story up. Especially with the episode run as well. Yeah, I think that, again, I think that Loki would have benefited from a longer run where we could have gotten used to the dynamic around the TVA and where we could have gotten used to, you know, they talk about in the interviews, they talk about Loki and Mobius having this relationship like um, Frank Abagnale and Carl Hanratty in Catch Me If You Can, Leo DiCaprio and and Tom Hanks, um, this like criminal who's being chased by this guy but they actually quite like each other and they keep kind of outsmarting each other <laughs> but because we only really had like two episodes of that um and now it's been deconstructed it's like the big reveal of what the tva really is and it's like mate i've been here five minutes <laughs> yeah um, i'd agree so with I that, do, actually. <laughs> yeah i do think that that is an issue i think that Part of the issue with I, I will rewatch One Division again, and I do think I will enjoy it because there's so much kind of foreshadowing and stuff like that. But I feel like because I was a bit let down by the reason that this was all a sitcom in the first place, yeah, like things that felt like they would have had significance no longer kind of do. Um, mm. and things like, um, there were things in the resolution that were not set up if I could. I think if it again, maybe if it was, I don't think that could have been a longer show because of the way it worked. Um, yeah, definitely. But I think if there was more going on, then there would have been, you know, things to kind of look for going back. I mean, you can still do that with kind of the way Agatha um, behaves and stuff like that. But just in terms of, there's a lot of stuff that felt like foreshadowing that wasn't really, and there was a lot of stuff that felt like there would be a payoff to it, and then the payoff was not necessarily uh, present. I'm, not, I'm yeah. not talking about the Pisto stuff, because, again, I, I accept <laughs> yeah. that sometimes... I oh, accept that sometimes... God, that stuff. <laughs> fan theories are not going to be correct, and that's that's fine. Like, that's okay, but it's cer- certain other things, definitely. And I feel the same with Loki, where I really enjoyed this episode, but he made this, you know, kind of very heroic speech that was like when when did you find about yeah, that's, these that's things? actually but i don't know man like I, I i sort of just hope that that's something that they kind of can work on because i feel like they again another thing is i feel like with all these shows they're relying a lot on the facts that these are already existing characters. And I feel like if you're someone who does that Loki, I feel like this probably really isn't the sort of show to start with. Um, yeah, so again, definitely. another thing I feel like, they sort of rely on you to know all the stuff already. 
Um, so that's kind of why I'm looking forward to stuff like She-Hulk and Miss Marvel and Moon Knight and stuff like that because they're new characters. So yeah, I think I think I definitely agree with you there. And I was going to bring up Moon Knight because I know you brought him up several times on this podcast. Oh, bro, I'm, I'm so excited. A character I know relatively little about, but I've always been very intrigued by. Um, especially, you know, he has all of these different aliases. Like he was yeah. his own chauffeur at one point, which is a bit mental yeah. to think about. Um, like he really has all of these like strange kind of like hats he can put on and disguises that he can go into and stuff like that. Um, so it'll be really interesting to see, like you say, some characters who we don't already know and who can exist in branches and and portions of the universe that may be less reliant on connecting to a movie. I mean, obviously, Ms. Marvel's going to be in the Marvels, so yeah. that might not necessarily apply so much to her show. But I also don't think her show is a limited show, like Loki and, and WandaVision yeah. and Falcon were, so maybe... You know, we'll get at least another season's worth out of her, hopefully, if it if it goes well. Um, and Moon Knight and She-Hulk can kind of be their own thing. And I think that one of the things that's nice about these TV shows is we get to see different corners of the Marvel Universe with different tones and different styles of plot and different genres that we can dip in and out of. Um, and I want them to embrace that more and not have everything end up in a big mcu cgi fight all the time yeah that that is definitely something that yeah i 100 percent. like don't get me wrong i love a fight scene but it's getting a bit it's getting a bit old now to that point where it's like oh here we go it's another you know anyway um almost um, a few things that I want to sort of get out before we all back to our little bubble. You know. um, so you're probably aware because you've listened to a few. I do like the challenge towards the end, um, which I did with Aaron and other people. Um, so, Luke, you are on yeah. a deserted island. You can only wear two things and it can be absolutely anything you want. It doesn't have to necessarily be something you already own. And you can be on this, this imaginary island because, yeah, there's electricity there for some bizarre reason. Um, you can only watch two things and for like the rest of your life. What are those things? Um, I think that I would pack. See, I've 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 done my research again, and something that Chris mentioned was really good. He said that he'd cut, he'd um, pack a casual outfit and a smart outfit. But I think I need to be a bit. <laughs> I think I need to be a bit cleverer than that because you know I've got to wash something, and I don't want to be wearing a tux whilst my other stuff is being washed. And it's a tropical <laughs> island, so unless I have sun cream. Your boy's not going naked while stuff is in the wash. Um, <laughs> so I think that I, what I would pack is I would pack a very casual outfit. I would pack some, some comfy joggers and a favourite kind of T-shirt thing. But I would pack for my smart outfit a sort of like tropical casual outfit. Like I'd wear you know, a shirt, a jacket and some kind of shorts, um, but like smart shorts, like, you know, kind of boat club sort of vibe. Um, yeah. I, I need a hat because shade is important. Um, <laughs> as for entertainment, I think that I would definitely have Star Trek Deep Space Nine because it's a nice long show that I really enjoy. And I yeah. can either watch like the arc of the show or I can go in and kind of watch individual episodes that are not connected to the arc. Mm. Um, and then I think for my second show... I'd probably go for something that's really easy to dip in and out of and watch kind of random episodes here and there of. Um, maybe something like Always Sunny, something that's like a long runner, but you don't have to kind of watch it in order. Yeah. I I'm not going to lie. I was kind of scared of what you were going to come out with because obviously... Um... Aaron was like, oh, yeah, I, I want to cosplay 
I want to wear my uh, Batman cosplay. So I was like, oh my God, <laughs> he wants to do them. What the hell does Luke want to do? <laughs> well, it's a tropical island, so I'm not going to wear my rubber fetish here because <laughs> I think I've invited it. Uh, Logi- that's uh, a very logical thing. Um, honestly, uh, thank you so much for coming on and uh, being the last guest of the current format as well because uh, we're I'm going to be changing some stuff up, um, which will be exciting. Yeah, I'm um, very excited for that. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I mean, hopefully you can come back as well. I'd love to have you back. Yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to discuss some some more stuff, especially some more uh, LGBTQ stuff. Because yeah. it is, you know, it's something that it, I can really talk about with a lot of passion. Oh, um, obviously, before you go, um, just sort of give us like social media handles that we can find you on so more more people can get more you know i really only have the one you can find me on instagram at poisonpuff underscore cosplay that's where i do the majority of my cosplay content and sometimes i also talk about my life as an actor and my life in general so come and join um thank you very much for coming on um, it's been an absolute privilege and I've yeah it's just been had a great talk with you and uh, hopefully you. we been... can see it yeah hopefully we can see each other soon back at cons again like once yeah, things are a bit so uh, catch you later dude thank you so much for having me see you later see you later what a guest and another great episode um, honestly like wow 20 episodes already guys so, um, for those of you who don't know, um, the format will be changing, so there'll be no more podcasts until August, and it'll be on a whole new platform with multiple guests in one podcast and topic-related stuff. If you want to hear more, then please do follow the whatever platform you are listening this to, and also follow the social media handles, that is Lucas Out Loud on Instagram, and also the Lucas Out Thinking Out Loud Facebook page, and also my Twitter, Lucas Out Loud. See you then, guys.